The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Hey, good morning, church. It is going to be a good day today, and uh, we're heading towards uh, something great toward the end of this message. I believe as God continues to work with us in this service, we've had a great start and lead into it as we've sought to worship the Lord, and it's going to cap off tonight with an incredible, I mean, I can just tell you, out of the gate, guaranteed, I'll buy your ticket back from you if you feel like it isn't one of the best nights you've ever spent in worship and um, we're going to have a great time in this room uh, together. So I, I don't, I, as we get started here um, in Luke's gospel, I, I just want, I, I wonder if you know what your life purpose is. I wonder if you know uh, why, you, why you're here and why you exist. And I'm, I am speaking, and I, I love the way Dan prayed. I am speaking to those who know that they're followers of Jesus Christ. So I think we can get sidetracked with life purposes. It's great to have educational achievement. It's great to go after a solid career. It's wonderful to build an amazing family. It's good to leave a a financial legacy and to have a great retirement. All of those are wonderful things, but they're not even close to being the primary thing for those who are the followers of Jesus Christ. What is your purpose? Straight up from the word of God, it is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who have not yet heard about him, have not accepted him as their Lord and Savior. That is your purpose. That's why you exist. And I hope with everything else that you do, you understand that you're in that place. You're where you are in order to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In today's text, Jesus sends out the first ever mission to share the gospel. And up until this point, Jesus was the one who was doing all the preaching. He was the one who was sharing about the gospel, about the kingdom of God. But now he was taking the 12 that he had selected, the apostles, and he was sending them out to do the preaching. It it is um, an internship of sorts for them. And beyond being an internship for them and what their future ministry was going to be, it is in every respect, a prototype or a pattern for the mission that Jesus Christ has given to every Christ follower. And what do we need to know about all of that? That's what we're going to see in the text today. And we're in Luke chapter 9, the first nine verses. I'll read those and, and then we'll pray together. Sound okay? All right. This is Luke chapter 9. And he, that's Jesus, called the twelve together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart, and wherever they, whenever they do not uh, receive you, When you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed, because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Let's pray together. Father, it seems to me that um, uh, your Holy Spirit has already been at work in this place this morning. Father, drawing us close to yourself. Father, we believe that you've manifested your presence here already. We have a sense that you're here in power. Father, that you want to do a great thing in our midst. And we would pray that you would not relent. Father, that you would continue to pour out your spirit on this place and in each of these people. Father, fill us as we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, as we exalt the name of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Father, do 
of what only you can do. Stir up the church to fulfill our mission and save those who are still in their sin. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with boldness. What do we need to know about that from uh, Luke 9 today? Um, Let's start with this. Uh, You have received power. You've received power. Uh, The apostles are really just the first to be empowered. And we uh, see Jesus pouring out his power to the extent that they were able to go and not just preach, those who had never been taught to preach, but also to heal, also to cast out demons, a very particular mission that he had empowered them to do. And just before his ascension, just so you know that this isn't just for the apostles, but just before his ascension, he had been crucified, he had been resurrected, and then in Acts chapter 1, we see him giving a final charge before he ascends up into heaven. He says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You know this verse, um, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, will be. It's guaranteed because of the power of God in us and the power and the strength and the ability to preach the gospel is not, listen, it's not resident in who we are. It's resident in who he is. Any ability that we have to share our faith with others is because God dwells within us by his spirit and gives us the ability to share the gospel. And when you fear sharing the gospel, listen. Can we have a moment of honesty and confession right here? You didn't answer that question, so can we have a moment of honesty and confession? How many people have ever been in a situation where you went to share the gospel and you were afraid to? My hand's up. My hand's up. And the only reason that happens is because we forget. We forget that we have been empowered by God's Holy Spirit, that God himself indwells us, that we have all the resources of heaven at our disposal to share the gospel in that moment. And likely what's happened is we've just simply forgotten to pray in that moment, the very quick prayer, God, give me the power now to share this message. That's all you need to say. Help my words to be your words. Give me the courage. Help me not to fear. May I be bold. Whatever prayer you want to pray there is what needs to be prayed. Just one sentence. Just call out to him. Because you do have the power to share the good news with people who don't know him yet. And having received it, notice next in the text, that they were sent out. And you and I have been sent out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. To do these healings, to cast out demons. Those two things were kind of more temporary around the actual mission that he was sending these particular apostles on. Much of the healing that took place and the casting out of demons was really about authenticating the message. For Jesus, it was always about the message. And when people began to get sidetracked with the miracle, he always pointed them back to the message. And it's no different for us today. The word apostle, in fact, means a messenger or sent one. And uh, while these 12 were the capital A apostles appointed by God, we still carry on in the right sense of the word, a small a apostolic ministry to be sent out by God to share the message of Jesus Christ. Every believer has that. But I have to ask the question, why would any of us do it? Why is it that we would go and share the message of Jesus Christ? And at at a very base level, we could just say, because Jesus told us to. Because we call it a mission or a commission by Christ. That I go out of a sense of, of obligation. How could I not do this? But in some senses, that's not really enough. You see, Being obligated to do things is not enough motivation for it to be presented in a way that's compelling and interesting to people. If I feel like all I 
that what I'm doing is only because I'm obligated to do it. I just don't think people are going to be drawn to that. We have to be so careful about just falling into this. I'm doing it because I'm obeying. I'm inviting you because I have to. I'm, 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 I'm handing out this invoca- invitation because the pastor asked us to. I have this come and see card. I feel like I ought to do it. But it's not flowing out of a real desire to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's just obligation. And I don't have a really good sense of being sent out in the way that Christ wants us to go. You see, preaching the gospel cannot be merely a matter of obligation and obedience. Preaching the gospel has to flow out of a heart of love for God, for what he's done for us. You see, I should want to. It isn't that I I have to. I should want to be sent out. I take on the mission because Jesus has so entirely changed my life. I mean, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ and you, you take a moment right here, even just to think back for a second and, and, and what was my life like before? Or if you were saved really, really young and you go like my life before was like diapers and toys. What would it, what it, would it have been like? Just, just project forward as a child, not raised in a Christian home, didn't hear the gospel, didn't accept it young. Didn't avoid all the pitfalls. Fell into every one of them. What would my life be like without Christ? How lost would I be? How, how much sin would have gripped my heart and life? I think we can all do that. I take on the mission because Jesus has so entirely changed my life and the trajectory of my life. I'm not the same person I was or could have been. I'm certainly not burdened by sin the way others are. I'm not empty inside. I'm I'm not wondering how to find love and looking for it in all the wrong places. I'm, I'm not doing that. And because I'm not doing any of those things, I want to tell people about it. I, I want to tell people about all that Jesus has done for me. I hope you have that. I was thinking about Isaiah and he was sent off to a special mission. And he gets called in Isaiah chapter 1. And, and at, at the call of God, God's desire is to send him out. Just like what we're talking about here. For a particular mission. Do you remember what Isaiah said? Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. And, and, and I would just pray that every person in this room who, who, who is a follower of Jesus Christ would say the same thing. I get my obligation. I understand what God has said. I, I hear the command of Christ. I know the transformation that's here happened in my life. And here I am, Lord. Send me. And by the way, I'm not talking about you being sent to any exotic location or some place you don't want to go or packing your bags and having to go to a different country to do this. Last I checked, plenty of Canadians still do not know Jesus Christ. And where you have been sent is where you already are. Your family, your workplace, the school classroom that you're part of, your neighborhood, the club you belong to. Wherever you are where there's other people, you've been sent. Listen, you've been sent there. You are an apostle to that place. You have the obligation under Christ to fulfill the mission, to share the good news of Jesus Christ in that place. You've received power. You've been sent out. And in going, listen, you have all you need. You have all that you need. See, in verse 3, he tells them, notice it says, take nothing with you. And he goes through a list of things, clothing, money, 
The kinds of things that you would think of taking when you go on a trip, but he's sending them out. And uh, sometimes uh, on the mission, he would tell them there's some things you should take. And at other times, there's things you shouldn't take. And it isn't that we have a pattern here of every time you go, you should take nothing. There's really a principle being taught here about having your confidence in God alone. This is the first mission. This is, this is the apostolic boot camp. And so he's, he's, he's stripping it down to its basic so they will know their confidence needs to be in Christ in every situation. And the reality is if he can save you, if he can forgive your sins and he's demonstrated he already can, if he can heal people and he's already demonstrated that, if he can cast demons out and he's already dis- demonstrated that, then don't you think if he could do all of those things that he could set you up with a meal and a place to stay for the night? True? And what Jesus is saying to his apostle, these apostles as he sends them out is you can trust God for everything. So trust him. Trust him for all of it. I think for us that that means that we can trust God to provide what we need. I'm not suggesting at all that the next time you take a trip, you don't pack any luggage. Not suggesting you don't take any money with you and just hope that when you land in that place that somebody will take you in. That's not what this is saying at all. As we think about the principle, as we think about the mission and what it means for us, it is that you can trust God. To provide whatever you need, when you need it, in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need any special training beyond what we're talking about in this message. I think we overcomplicate all of this. Again, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the power within you. You know what you need to do. Then you can trust him for all the rest of it. No more excuses. And I think we're great at excuses, by the way, for not sharing the gospel. Wouldn't you say? I wrote down a few of these. Tell me if you've used any of them. A fear of man. I'm, I'm afraid of what uh, someone's going to think of me if I share the gospel. I'm, I'm afraid of losing my reputation. I'm afraid of how it'll compromise my relationships in the workplace. I'm afraid of persecution. I'm afraid of loss in my life. Just a lot of fear around sharing the gospel. Or maybe some people, maybe you've used this excuse here, unqualified. I haven't been trained to share the gospel. I haven't been to Bible college. I haven't taken any courses. It's not a great excuse. You need to trust God. He'll give you the words when you need them. Maybe for a lot of people, the excuse is just you lack a passion for it, a complacency. You're just complacent. I just don't feel the need. And I, my other thing, I, I do this. I, I, I'm not an evangelist. I'm just complacent about it. Or, or how about this excuse? Um, I just feel like evangelism's not very Canadian. Because in Canada, this, this value that we have that seems to supersede everything else is tolerance, Correct? tolerance and and i feel that if i share the gospel i'm not i'm not on the live and let live program i'm not honoring the fact that our our canadian society is this kind of pluralistic mishmash of everything and i'm i'm just going to let people have what they have and i'm going to have what i have and stay over here and not share it Uh, sadly jesus did not give us that option and i am a citizen of the kingdom of god before i'm a citizen of canada You too? For sure. Maybe some people are just not convinced of the the theology of it. Uh, Did God really ask this of us? Uh, To that I would say, yes. And we're seeing that here in the text. And Well, that's some excuses. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, those are, are not good enough to keep you from the mission. You have to be on the mission. You have the ability to be on mission. You need to trust God for all of that and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And then understand of this next, that you're not responsible at all for the results. And we've talked about this before, but you're not responsible for the results. God is responsible for the results. You're responsible for the preaching. 
You're responsible for the sharing of it, the witnessing. You see, people get saved not because you saved them, but people get saved because Jesus saves them. Amen? It's Jesus who saves them. I love this in Jonah 2, 9. You've heard this before. Um, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is from the Lord. However you want to translate that one. Uh, Salvation comes from God. It doesn't come from us. We could say it this way. Salvation belongs to the Lord, but preaching belongs to the people who love the Lord. And each of us plays our role. God does the saving. And for whatever reason, he's chosen us to do the proclaiming of it. And we ought to be about that business. And so chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, you see that Jesus gives them instructions when people reject their message. And he says to them, this sounds, sounds kind of harsh. He says, if people reject what you're saying, notice he says, leave that town and shake off the dust from your feet. That's kind of a symbolic way of saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm through with you. Uh, you reject the message, I reject you. But even in that, I want you to see this, that even in the shaking off of the dust, which seems harsh to us, there's still mercy in that. Because the shaking off of the dust is like a final parting word, a final sermon to them. Listen, I want you to understand how serious this is. It's, it's a warning shot as you're leaving to say, God means for you to hear this message that you're rejecting. And it's not going to go well for you if you reject it. You see, God is the one who saves. And he really knows the ones who belong to him. And if his counsel to us is we need to move on from someone that we're sharing the gospel with because they are so hostile toward it, they're constantly rejecting it, I'm not suggesting that after you preach the gospel to someone and and they reject it from you, that you need to keep going after it. There is some sense in which we need to be very careful about badgering people with whom we've already shared the gospel. I think sometimes parents in their eagerness to see their adult children come to Christ will go at them time and time again and continue to share and say the things they've heard a thousand times before. And I'm not saying don't share the gospel with them if they show some, empty, some openness to that. But if they are absolutely hardened of heart and don't want to hear it and don't want you to bring it up and it's beginning to cause a severing in your relationship to the extent that they never want to be with you. I'm just saying, you maybe need to reevaluate your approach. If they know the gospel, if you're living Christ before them, just be so cautious about, we're not to badger with the gospel, we're to present it. Our job is not to save people. And often in our eagerness to see a loved one saved, we go too hard after it. And we want to actually save the person. At least that's the sense I get. You can't save anyone. Only Jesus can save you know, we've talked here in the past of red apples and green apples, people who are ready to respond to the gospel. Those are red apples. They're ripe. They're ready for a picking, ripe to the good news. And people who aren't ready for the gospel are unripened green apples. And we really do want to make sure that we're focusing on our time on people who are open to hearing this. People who have crisis in their life. People that we can serve and minister to. People who are at the point where maybe they're ready to hear the message of Christ. Watch for those people in your life. And if you're praying about it, if you're putting it before the Lord, God, bring some red apples into my life. Put some people in front of me that are ready to hear the gospel. Who have something going on in their life that, uh, that they'll be open to that. Pray for it. And then see God open up those opportunities. And when you share the message of Christ and you trust God with the results, then you're beginning to understand both sides of the mission that Christ has given to us. You're doing the part that you've been charged to do and you're leaving with the Lord the part that he's charged with doing, which is the saving. And then see this, um, and this is so important, this next section. Uh, You know what you need to say. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ 
you'll have a sense as a follower of Christ, you know exactly what needs to be said. Look at verse 6, and they departed and went through the villages, notice, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. There's an assumption that these apostles had learned the gospel well enough that they were actually able to go out and now preach the gospel. And I would just wonder right now in this room, without raising your hand, do a little internal survey. You can answer yes or no in your own heart and mind. If you had to share the gospel with someone right now, right now, would you feel like you have the ability to explain the gospel in a way that someone will understand it and will get all the parts necessary to truly make a commitment to Jesus Christ? Done the survey? Yes or no? You've got it in your own mind. Well, here are the things that we definitely need to know. Um, everyone was given, just hold this up for me. Did you, everybody was given one of these books on the way in. Did everybody get one? Okay, you got that. Five gospel words. And um, if you didn't get one of these, there's plenty more on the table at the back. And, and I want to just kind of take us through this for a minute because this is really the essence of what a person needs to believe in order to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And my hope is that you're going to do two things with this booklet. The first thing is you're going to study it for yourself. You're going to read it through. You're going to understand it. You're going to lock in those five words. And once you have the five words, you'll understand the direction and the content of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to do that. And the second thing I want you to do is after after having done that, I want you to pray that God's going to give you an opportunity in the days to follow to give that booklet to someone and explain the gospel to them, someone who doesn't know Christ yet. So those are the two things that I want to see happen with this. And we're going to keep a supply of these on hand here and in our bookstore on a regular basis. So if you give one away, you want to get a couple of more to have, you can always have those. And so let's, go, well, let's work through it for a few minutes. The five gospel words. Uh, the first word is God. And we need to understand that most people believe in God. That isn't a hard thing. Uh, yesterday I was down at um, Celebrate Barry at the waterfront. And uh, we just kind of walked through all of that, and there was, it kind of caught my eye, but there was like the, there was a, a booth, anybody can have a booth there for free, community groups, schools, all of that, and there was a booth for the Humanist Association, which I find ironic that they were evangelizing for humanism, atheism, they all looked really angry about it, um, but they were there um, trying to attract people to understand there is no God, but please understand that the number of people in the world who would be avowed atheists, we talked about this only a few weeks ago, is so small of a percentage. The vast majority of people, we're talking 97 to 98% of all people, would have some sense of a deity, some sense of God. Most people believe in God, and for most people in Canada, there would even be a sense of being religious But understand that believing in God and being religious or having some kind of faith identification or being christened as a baby, none of that is actually the same as salvation. None of it is salvation. It's not being saved. You can believe in God and not be saved. You can go to church and not be saved. You can be christened and not be saved. You can be a member of a church and not be saved. You can be an active member of a church and not be saved. Understand? But the God part is an important starting point. But being raised in the church, growing up around Jesus, is not enough. Praying prescribed prayers does not mean that you've understood the gospel or that you've made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean any of those things. Believing in God is not enough because he's designed us actually for relationship with him. And that's where the problem starts because of the second word, a sin. All have sinned. Our relationship with God has been severed by sin. Every human being is born in sin, and the sin has separated us from our God for now and for eternity, unless we find a solution to that. The reality is that every single one of us is under the penalty of sin. Every one of us, the penalty of sin is death. And every one of us has to die for our own sins. Unless someone else does it for you. And the only person who could is someone who is perfect and without sin. 
And so most people would believe there is a God. Most people could acknowledge that sin exists in the world and even that they're sinners. Therefore, they could understand how their sin would separate them from, could, would separate them from a holy God. And so what we really need is a substitute. It's our third word, substitution. That Jesus Christ himself is the only one who could give his life. He was perfect. He was without sin. The only solution to the sin separation dilemma is for Jesus Christ to give his life as a sacrifice for us. And he did just that on the cross. It's what we could not do for ourselves. He substituted his life for ours. He died for our sin. And he did it simply because he loves us. Simply because he loves us. And wanted to provide us a way to be in relationship with the Father. And all that we have to do to receive that. Because it's not by works. It's not by religious observance. All we have to do is believe. That's it. Receive what God has given to us as a gift. That's the whole thing. So no amount of religious observance is going to get it done at all. No amount of good works or moral living. God made provision, but listen, he made provision through his son, but it's not automatic and it's not universal. In other words, it just doesn't automatically come to us because, because we call ourselves a Christian or because we're born into a somewhat Christian country. You and I have to personally believe the message that Jesus Christ lived and that he gave his life for us on the cross. And having believed, we confess our sin to him and we pledge our life to follow him. Now, having said all of that and, and worked through the first four words, I, I want to respond to something that I've heard from time to time as I've talked to people as they've come to the church. I said, when did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? And I'll hear them say this. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, and I can't remember any exact faces of anybody who's ever said this to me. So if it's you and you had the conversation with me, I'm not pointing you out. But I've had it many times. When did you come to faith in Christ? And the response is, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a Christian. And I need to tell you, you haven't. What you have always been is a sinner. What you have always been is separated from God. But you've not always been a Christian because the pattern of Scripture is very clear. The only way that you become a follower of Jesus Christ is when you understand the things that we've just talked about. And I can't understand those things when I'm an infant. They're even difficult to understand for a child. Why we see so many who would accept Christ very young go through a crisis of faith later on in life. And I don't know when they actually got saved, if it was when they were four or five and, and prayed with mom and dad or later on at a youth retreat. I don't know. And that's from the Lord. But the reality is there's some things I need to understand. And then I need to make a decision to come to faith in Christ. That is conversion. That is what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You were not born a Christian. You have not always been a Christian. It's impossible. You become a follower of Jesus Christ when you understand these things and personally make a decision to follow him. God, sin, substitution, believe, and when you believe and follow him, you will have, here's the fifth word, life. You'll have life. God gives you life. And Jesus said that he came to give us an abundant life here and eternal life hereafter. And when you receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what he gives to you. You have life and death no longer has a sting, no longer holds you. It's been erased. You're no longer separated from God because of your sin. You have relationship with the Father and you are His sons and His daughters. And if you're to fulfill your mission, listen to me, those of you who are already followers of Jesus Christ, if you are to fulfill your mission, you should understand the gospel as I just explained it and you should be able to explain it to someone else. It is the mandate that Christ gave to us. And when you do that, if you, if, you, if you get all of this, 
and guaranteed 100% you will make an impact in this world if you share the message of Christ with others. And when I say that, you will make an impact. Of course, what I mean is God will make an impact through you, correct? God will make an impact through you. So Luke intentionally tells us, verses 7 and 8 here, now the mission is out there, they're carrying on the preaching of the gospel, people are hearing the gospel, presumably some people are accepting the gospel, some are rejecting the gospel. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, did the scriptures say anything nice or good about Herod? Uh, Nothing, zero. It's always bad. And so we can't look at this and go, hmm, he seems to be interested in Jesus' message. He wants to hang out with Jesus. That's what we find out at the end. He sought to see him. Is there anybody who believes that Herod had any pure motive in that? Of course not. He heard about all that was happening. He was perplexed. He thought maybe it was John that had been raised from the dead because he had killed him. This is the only time in Luke that we find out that uh, John the Baptist had been martyred. Some think it was Elijah because there was a prophecy about that. And actually John the Baptist was the fulfillment of Elijah coming. Some the prophets of old. Who is this, Herod says? Who is this? And that is the question. Who is Jesus? And we live in a society that's wringing its hands over that question, trying to figure it out. And we have the words of life in our hands. All we need to do is proclaim it. Isaiah 55, 11, I cited it a couple weeks ago. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If you're faithful to proclaim the gospel, it will make an impact. Now, understand, I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that people will come to Christ. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to guarantee that your sharing of the gospel is going to result in people making commitments to Christ. I am saying that you'll make an impact one way or another. And at the end of the day, the impact that the gospel often makes is that it divides. It divides believer from unbeliever, saved from unsaved. Followers from non-followers. To use the, the apocalyptic language, it separates the sheep from the goats. And one way or another, God's word will accomplish the thing for which God sent it, the purpose of it. And so we need to present the gospel. And when we do, we know that it will have an impact in our world to the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, all of that said, The message is largely, as I said right off the top, the message is largely for those who are the followers of Jesus Christ. The desire is that this is motivation for us as we seek out to carry on the mission that God has given to us to share the gospel. And I believe that God will give many of you who are the followers of Christ opportunities this week to share the gospel. I believe that. God's Holy Spirit will set it up. But I believe that I would not be fulfilling my mission because I believe myself to be a sent one. I believe that I have received power from the Holy Spirit. I know the gospel. I've trusted Christ myself. I've understood the gospel, been trained in it, shared it with others many times. And so I feel that there is an obligation right now to share the gospel with people in this room who have not yet come to faith in Christ. You've not yet become a follower of Jesus Christ and found the forgiveness of your sins. And so will you respond to that? I'm talking to the person who has never bowed the knee to Christ never confess their sins, never declare Jesus to be Lord and Savior of their life. But this could be the moment for you. I remember sitting in this place, hearing a very similar message. I'm trying to do the math 36 years ago. 
the age of 15, our family was going through a significant crisis. And I had begun attending a church. We had a sense that maybe God had some answers for us. And I'd started attending a youth group. And I remember being in a darkened basement. And I remember hearing a man named Bob share the gospel. And he talked about the emptiness in a person's life. And if I were to use one word that described what was in the middle of my chest, what I felt as real as any other thing I feel, it was emptiness. As many of you have said, after being part of services here, I felt that night like the preacher was speaking just to me. That there was a word just for me in that. And in the darkness of that room, in that moment, I remember just slipping my hand up into the air at the appeal. Do you want Jesus Christ to fill that emptiness for you and become a follower of Christ? I, I almost involuntarily put my hand up. It's, it's as if I couldn't even stop it. I knew that for me, that was the moment. That up until that time, I had been a religious kid. God had always been important to me. I had often gone to church, but I had not yet made the decision. A decision that needs to be made by some in this room right now. Some of you have been coming to Harvest for quite a while. You've kind of slipped in. You've become part of who we are. But the reality is you've never actually publicly made the decision. You've never told anybody you're a follower of Christ. And maybe you're not. Maybe this is your first Sunday here and this is all taking you by surprise. But you have a significant enough crisis in your life that you're a red apple. You're ready and ripe to the gospel and ready to make a decision right now. Now Kyle's going to sing for us a song that is the appeal. Come ye sinners. Listen for a bit. Pray to the Lord. I'm going to be praying for you that those in this room who have not yet become followers of Christ would do so right in this moment. And then I'm going to ask you to do something rather courageous because the followers of Jesus Christ are courageous. Faith in Christ does that. The Holy Spirit does that. Kyle's going to sing. I'm going to come back up and I'm going to invite you to actually get up out of your seat and come up here to the front and talk with me for a moment about the decision that you're making to follow Christ. You listen as Kyle sings. sinners come right now. If you're a follower of Christ already, why don't you just pray right now? Just bow your heads and pray that God's Spirit would move in this room. But if you need to make that commitment to Jesus Christ, would you just get up where you are? Come up here to the front.
Kyle's going to keep singing. You can keep coming. If you need to make your decision to Christ, make it right now. Don't miss this moment. Come, you weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. Yeah. And if you wait until you're better, you will never come at all so I will rise and go to Jesus he will embrace me as his own and in the arms of my Savior there is life forever time there's some sense that you feel like you missed the moment you haven't you feel a stirring in your heart right now you're resisting it don't fight it we've had people who have driven down the road and turned around and come back to give their heart to Christ. Save the time. Do it now. Don't resist the Spirit. You don't don't know what tomorrow holds. You know right now you're evaluating. Your life is teetering. You're standing at the crossroads. And there's two paths in front of you. One is the path to life, and one is the path to death and destruction. And the decisions you're making and the direction you're facing right now is the wrong one. You're making bad decisions. 
It's a world of hurt in front of you, an eternity of hurt. And Jesus is offering you life in this moment. Father, thank you for what you've done in this place already this morning for these three who have indicated their decision and their desire to follow you. God, I pray that you would be pouring life into them in this very moment, that your Holy Spirit would be filling them. And God, for those in the room who are resisting, God, I pray that you would continue to pursue them out the door and down the road and every day this week until they bow the knee and become a follower of Christ. And for all of us, Father, who profess faith in Christ, God, I know already you're going to put opportunities in front of us, and I pray that we would not shrink back and we would not fear in any way, and we would see our obligation, but beyond that, have a heart to share the message of Christ with those who need to hear it. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for hearing our worship, as feeble and frail as it is. Thank you for your word. God, do a great thing. Continue to do a great thing in this church. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at And remember, you are loved.